It's great to see a slimmer crowd tonight, but appreciate everyone for taking time to be out. And it's great to be able to worship uh, God with our brethren, regardless of how many there are. It's a good, a good opportunity for us to remember our Creator and our Savior. Well, a couple, or I guess last Sunday, we talked about Nehemiah and some of the, uh, the, the effort that was going on to defeat his efforts and uh, get him to go down to the plain of Ono, you remember, and how he said he had a great work, and so we talked about our priorities and what is most important in our life and how we can't be distracted from that. Tonight I wonder, because I think they parallel the difficulties that we'll encounter as well. We've got a great work in front of us. God has given us great work to do, but that work is not going to be without opposition, and we need to be prepared for that. And we'll learn, I think, as we look at Nehemiah tonight, how some of that opposition will present itself, and by knowing how the opposition will come, we can be prepared to face it. Joseph just read for us uh, chapter 1, the introduction to Nehemiah here. Again, I'll remind you, Nehemiah was living at the time at the end of the 70 years of captivity where the Jews are going to be permitted to go back to their homeland. Nehemiah is going to lead the third group of captives back to Jerusalem. He finds out here in chapter 1 that Jerusalem, in spite of folks going back there to inhabit the land, Jerusalem is still in shambles and that depresses him. Pick up reading with me in chapter 2 of Nehemiah, verse 1. We'll learn more about Nehemiah, how he was a cupbearer to the king, and how the king finds out about what's going on, and Nehemiah ultimately is sent back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. In Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning of verse 1, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. And the king said, or, and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And, the king, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me, according to the uh, good hand of my God upon me. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official, uh, uh, official heard of it, uh, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem, was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one, no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate uh, to the serpent well, 
and the refuse gate, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down, and its gates which were burned with fire. Then I went to the, king, uh, to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will rise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. And so he goes to Jerusalem with the mission to rebuild the wall. He goes out at night and views how bad it is. And then he tells the people about his task to rebuild the wall. And they all jump in and they're ready to work. But it is faced with opposition. We saw a little glimpse of that here in chapter rebuilding of the wall. And then let's look in at chapter 4 and see what we can learn about this rebuilding of the wall and the difficulties that they face. Chapter 4 now. Chapter 4. Uh, chapter 3 goes on and talks about the workers and what, what jobs they did. Chapter 4 now gets into the details of some of this opposition they're going to face. Chapter 4, beginning verse 1. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these, uh, these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they uh, revive uh, the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. I want to tell you, as we get into uh, doing God's work, we should, like Nehemiah, expect that there's going to be ridicule involved. There, should be, there will be ridicule. People are going to make fun of us and try and belittle us with words when we're trying to do the right thing. We'll face that. We'll face that among our friends as we make a stand for what is right. And we say we're going we're to mold our lives into the pattern of God's will for us. We're going to do what God wants us to do. Our friends are gonna, and our family are going to ridicule us. People are going to call us religious fanatics and freaks and weirdos. They're going to try and ridicule us as Sanballat and Tobiah did here to the Jews. It's nothing new. It is to be expected. In Jude verses 17 and 18. Look in Jude, verses 17 and 18. Jude says, But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time which should walk after their own ungodly lusts. There's going to be mockers in the last time. Well, what are mockers going to do? They've got to have somebody to mock, don't they? 
They're going to mock the ones who are teaching God's will and keep teaching God's word. They're going to mock and make fun. And I'm going to tell you, they're going to do that to us today. As we face people and we present the truths of God's word, we're going to be ridiculed. We're going to be mocked. We need to be prepared for that. In Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 beginning, a long list of terrible things, and I, I love the, the wording here. I hate what was being done, but the wording here is so powerful about what people faced in order to be pleasing to God. Beginning of verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11, and what more uh, shall I say more? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets who faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promise, promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Just incredible, the things that we're talking about here. And it says here that women were, received their dead, raised to life again, and were, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They get out the whips, and they're going to whip you for your faith in God. And you can be delivered from that torture at any time. All you got to do is say, I give up. I don't believe in God anymore. I'm not a Christian. I'm not trying to be faithful to God. Anytime you say that, then the whips, whipping stops. They didn't stop. They, they stayed true to that. They did not accept deliverance. But notice what it says here as we go on. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. In the midst of all of those terrible things, getting burned, getting fed to the lions, getting whipped, they were subjected to cruel mockings. The ridicule is real, isn't it? And it's hurtful, and it's difficult to endure. And God understands that. Nehemiah endured it to be faithful to God, and we're going to have to endure it to be faithful to God as well. And then we need to be prepared for that. It goes on. In the middle of all this, it talks about mockings. But notice what it says here. They had bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Cut in two. That's pretty bad. What's right in the list with that is being mocked. And we need to be prepared for that. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. And we shouldn't minimize the, the hurt that mockings and ridicule will take on us. It'll take a toll. We need to be prepared for that. But Jesus knew it would be happening. And he says this in Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 11. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so Jesus says they're going to ridicule us. And he says that we're blessed. God views us favorably when people revile us and say evil against us falsely. We're in good company. It's happened to people throughout time who wanted to be faithful to God. It'll happen to us today. And so we should be prepared for that. And if we're going to be successful in this difficult work that we have to do, we're going to have to be prepared to ignore the ridicule. Go on, verse 5 in Nehemiah chapter 4. In verse 5, Do not cover their iniquity, and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. The Nehemiah prays to God. 
for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, and, in the, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But now look at verse 7. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being, uh, beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired to come together and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. The ridicule didn't work, did it? It didn't discourage them from working. And as they see the wall now, they see progress and the holes in the wall and the gaps are starting to be closed and the wall is getting higher. They're going to ratchet it up a level and now they come to attack them. And I want to tell you as we strive to serve God, not only is there going to be ridicule, there are going to be people who try to directly oppose us from doing what God would have us to do. We need to be prepared for that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19, as Paul is talking about his opportunities to serve God, notice what he observes. He says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Paul had lots of opportunities. He described it as a great door that's opened to him. But he says, there's people that are going to be working against this. There are a lot of adversaries. There were adversaries in Nehemiah's day. There were adversaries in Paul's day. There are going to be adversaries in our day as well. And we need to be prepared for that. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, notice what kind of opposition Paul uh, lists here by name. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom, uh, be, uh, of whom be thou also aware, for he has greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Paul had great opposition, and we're going to have opposition. That opposition will come in different forms, but people are going to be working to undo the work that we do, to defeat us in our work for the Lord, we need to be prepared for that. We're in a real spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, beginning, talks about the battle that we're in. We're fighting against Satan and his will for this world. And he's not going to go down easy. He's going to work against us. He's going to fight against us. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. Paul says, hey, this is real. This is not just, uh, just not make-believe. This is not just an easy thing. This is real. It is a real battle that we're fighting, and we need to be prepared for opposition. Let's go on in Ephesians, or Nehemiah chapter 4. Hopefully you're keeping your fingers there. In verse 9, we learn the benefit of asking God for assistance. Verse 9, Nevertheless, in spite of them coming to attack them at Jerusalem and create confusion, verse 8, nevertheless, we made our prayer to God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Nehemiah went to God in prayer to help him with the opposition that they were facing. And we need to do that as well. We're doing God's work. We want to do God's will in our lives, in our family, in our community, 
in our workplace. In Franklin, Tennessee, we want to spread the gospel. We understand there are going to be people who, people who ridicule us, people who work against us, and we need to pray to God that he'll assist us as we strive to serve him. In Matthew chapter 9, in Matthew chapter 9, as Jesus talks about the great work that was present in the first century, that great work that remains today, he says the fields are ready, but the laborers are few. Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. What do you need to do? Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus says, pray to God, and he'll help you with the work that needs to be done. We need to be praying to God. We need to be praying to God fervently, that it'll help us in this work that we have to do. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul desired the Thessalonians to be praying for his success. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Paul needed the prayers of the brethren. We need to be praying to God that he'll help us with this work. Finally, in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning of verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning of verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul needed the prayers of the saints. We need to be willing, as Nehemiah was, to go to God, and ask for assistance. Finally, as we are not finally, but as we continue to go along here and look at the, the difficulties uh, that we will face and how to be successful at overcoming those difficulties, one of the things we need to be prepared for as we strive to labor for the Lord and we're working and we're working hard, hopefully, we need to be prepared for the fact that some are just not going to work. You know, it'd be great if everyone in the church was working and every Christian that we knew far and wide was working and serving God as they should. But we need to be prepared for the fact that some may not work. We have to go back to chapter 3 for this point. But chapter 3 lists the people and the work that they were doing. And uh, next to so-and-so, we had so-and-so. And next to so-and-so, we had so-and-so. And the work that they were doing was laid out here. But look at verse 5 of chapter 3. Next to them, the Tickleites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of their Lord. This group of people, they were working, but there were some who just weren't going to work. And we need to be prepared for that as well. There are going to be some folks who just aren't willing to pick up the, the, the hammer and start going to work. We need to be prepared for that. That's going to be discouraging. When we give our lives to the Lord and we want to be fully committed to doing His will and doing His work, and we see others to be prepared for that and not allow it to discourage us. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul faced this as well. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Paul says, you know, this guy, Demas, he didn't want to work. He didn't want to stick it out. He gave up. He sold out. 
No doubt that was discouraging to Paul, but Paul, I think, was prepared for that. We need to be prepared for that as well. And not allow the fact that others are not going to work to dis discourage us from what we need to do. Be prepared for the fact that some are not going to work. Finally, or not, I keep saying finally as we go along here, we see that we need to be willing to do what is uncomfortable. Throughout chapter 3, you'll see a list of people who are working. They're working in difficult circumstances. They had to work uh, around the clock and, um, it, and do some things that were really uncomfortable. Look at verse 23 of chapter 5. I'm sorry, chapter 4. Verse 23 of chapter 4. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes except that everyone took them off for washing. They were under uh, potential attack by Sanballat and Tobiah and their associates. And so they were working around the clock. Some people were guarding. Other people were working. They were working. They didn't have time to change their clothes, to wash their clothes. They just stayed in their clothes, kept working, kept going because they needed to get this job done. And we need to understand that as we work for the Lord, we're going to have to do things that are not comfortable, not pleasant, things that we don't always enjoy. They may be talking to a family member about the gospel and maybe being put in the uncomfortable situation that they may ridicule you, they may reject you. That may include talking to a brother or sister who needs to consider the error of their ways. And you realizing that they may ridicule you and mock you and reject you. That may be putting yourself in a, a position that's uncomfortable, maybe talking to someone about the gospel that, uh, in uncomfortable circumstances. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, that maybe we're a little shy. We have to do some things that get out of our comfort zone. We need to be prepared and be willing to do what is uncomfortable, just as these people were, do, able, were willing to do so that they could serve the Lord. In 2 Corinthians... 2 Corinthians chapter 11, notice the uncomfortable things that Paul was willing to endure so that he could serve the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, at night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, by, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul endured all kinds of unpleasant things to serve the Lord. We've read about some of those already, haven't we, in Acts? Just last week, we read about this time that he was stoned, that one time he was stoned. We know about that now, don't we? But over and over again, Paul had to endure uncomfortable things to serve the Lord. Are we willing to do that? We've got to be willing to. If we're going to be successful at doing what God wants us to do, we're going to have to be ready and willing to do what is uncomfortable. We need to make sure that we have a mind to work. Back in chapter 4 of Nehemiah, verse 6, it says, For the people had a mind to work. The people wanted to do the work of rebuilding the wall. And we have to want to do the Lord's work if we're going to be successful at that. 
You're never successful at a job that you don't want to do, are you? You might half-heartedly do some things, and we've got some kids who half-heartedly do chores. When I say, I tell you, to be truly successful at what you're doing, you've got to have a mind to want to do it. And they had a mind to want to rebuild that wall. We have to have a mind to do God's work as well. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 15, So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul wanted to spread the gospel wherever he could. And we know that he wanted to get to Rome so he could preach to the children to people there. In 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning of verse 1, Peter says, The elders which are of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not of for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. He says, "Ye elders, you, even the elders, needed to be doing this willingly. Um, so we need to make sure that we have the attitude of being ready and willing to work. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We need to be ready and willing to do the Lord's work. And finally, tonight, finally, we need to remember that God is with us. Drop down in chapter Four to verse 20. In chapter 4, verse 20, they had these people that are ready to attack them. They have to make provisions for that. They set a trumpet around. As I said, if you hear the trumpet, you need to uh, come to where you hear the trumpet and rally to us there, verse 20. And it says, our God will fight for us. Nehemiah reminded the people that God was on their side, that God would help them. And as we face difficult challenges in our work of serving the Lord, whether that be in our individual lives, in our families, in, our ch in the church, in the community, wherever we face those challenges, we need to be confident that if we're doing the Lord's will, that He is with us and He'll fight for us. In Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 5 and verse 38, you remember Gamaliel's advice as the apostles are on trial. Gamaliel's advice was sound advice when he said this, And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. Isn't that a powerful statement? If we're doing God's will, if we're doing His work, you cannot overfuel us when we speak the truth. People are going to ridicule us when we take a stand for what is right and we try to live like we're supposed to live. But you know who they're ridiculing us? They're not ridiculing us, are they? They're ridiculing God. And people are going to try and oppose us and defeat us when we're trying to do God's will. They're going to try and encourage us to give up and throw in the towel and quit. But you know who they're fighting against? They're not fighting against us, are they? They're fighting against God. God is with us, and we need to be prepared to take a firm stand because we know that God is on our side. The psalmist in Psalm 118, verse 6, said it this way, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? God is on our side. We need to be confident of that and remember that He is with us.
Nehemiah faced incredible challenges as he sought to serve God and rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. He faced great challenges. And in spite of those challenges, he was able to rebuild the wall. And he rebuilt the wall in 52 days because he did not allow the challenges to deter him. We need to have that same uh, resolve in our lives as well. Be ready for the ridicule that's going to come. Just ignore it. Be ready for the opposition. People are going to try to oppose us. Be ready for that. Ask God for assistance. Expect that there are going to be others around us, other Christians who may not be willing to work. Don't allow that to deter you and discourage you. Be willing to do what is uncomfortable. Have that mind. Be ready to work. And always remember that God is with us. Hopefully the things we talked about tonight have been an encouragement. Nehemiah certainly is a great example to us. And as we go out into the world this week and we strive to live for God this week, we need to realize we may face opposition even this week. Let's be prepared to serve God with resolve so that we can be pleasing to Him, so we can be a light to those around us, and that we can bring others to Christ. How are you living your life? Is there any way that we could help encourage you? If there is, please let us know while we stand and sing.